There is more than meets the eye to our holiday traditions and the things that we do year in and year out to celebrate the birth of Jesus. That is, if you choose to see them. And what we're going to do in this series is we're going to take a look at the things that we do each and every year to celebrate Christmas, and we're going to see how, if you choose to see it, there is a line that goes from that that cheesy tradition or that habit that you have in your home every year at Christmas, there's a line that goes from that all the way back to the true reason for the season. So that every time you see that thing or celebrate that particular moment, you will be reminded of the true reason for this celebration. So in this series, we're going to look at four things that most everyone does to celebrate Christmas, and we're going to tie them back to the origin of it all. We're going to tie them back right to the heart of the Christmas story. And this week, if you, if you have your worship folder with you, and you have one of our Do You See What I See Christmas decoders, if you have one of these, you can look at the front of the worship folder, and you can look at that big icon right in the middle, and you can see what we're going to be talking about. Or you can just look at the screen. It works up there as well. Tell me, what icon do you see? What do you see? You see an envelope, right? You see an envelope. That's because this week our conversation starts with holiday greetings and Christmas cards. Holiday greetings and Christmas cards. Also, if you want to stay busy during the sermon, if you don't find what I'm talking about interesting, somewhere hidden in here is my Christmas list. <laughs> and you can, you can start like shopping on Amazon for me right now, okay? Just keep looking for it. So here's a few facts about Christmas cards that you didn't know you needed to know. So, so every year, throughout the year, there are billions of Christmas cards that are sent. But of the billions, billions of cards that are sent, rather, but of the billions of greeting cards that are sent throughout the year, 45% of all cards are Christmas cards. So of all the cards that are sent throughout the year, from Mother's Day, Father's Day, Valentine's Day, Sweetest Day, even though nobody celebrates that, 45% of all cards that are mailed are Christmas cards. In the U.S. alone, 1.5 billion Christmas or holiday greeting cards will be sent. 1.5 billion just in the U.S. Of all the Christmas cards that are sent, I don't know how they got this data, but somebody mined this data, 85% of them are purchased and mailed by women. The other 15% are mailed by men whose wives will say she should have done it herself. That's fine. 85% are mailed by women. The first Christmas card, the first mass-produced Christmas card, happened in 1843. A man named Sir Henry Cole commissioned the first Christmas card. Uh, the story behind this card is this. In, in the 1840s, something called the Penny Post was established in the UK, which made it very cheap, very affordable for people to send mail to one another. It just cost a penny. And so there was this tradition that sprung up of people sending personalized long letters to all of their family and friends at Christmas, dropping them in the mail. And most people had a relatively small network of family and friends, so it was pretty easy for them to do. But Sir Henry Cole, I mean, after all, he's a sir, he's got a large network of family and friends, he couldn't keep up with the demand, he couldn't write enough letters, and so being a wealthy man, he commissioned an artist named J.C. Horsley, who happened to be his friend, to create this Christmas scene that could be mass-produced, put on a small piece of cardstock, and then mailed out with a simple Christmas greeting to all of his family and friends, and thus was established this idea of a Christmas card. In fact, this is the first Christmas card here. 
art by J.C. Horsley, 1843. And what's interesting to me is what this depicts. If you were able to get up close here and look, you'd see that this depicts a family celebrating Christmas in three different scenes. Uh, perhaps it's Cole's family, the man who had this commissioned. You see his family feeding the poor and then clothing the needy. And then in the center, it's, it's him and his family celebrating or feasting because of Christmas. It shows a perfect family helping the weak and loving each other. Now, as, as Christmas cards took off in practice and tradition, most of the artwork on Christmas cards shifted to depict the nativity, the birth of Jesus. So most of the original Christmas cards, the early cards you see, all depict the birth of Jesus. But this first one depicted a family celebrating Christmas. What's interesting to me is that Christmas cards, at least here in the U.S., have kind of shifted back in that direction. What most people use them for is to show off how perfect their family is. <laughs> we pose for some picture, and then we have it mass-produced and mailed out to all of our friends and family to say, see, we're better than you. <laughs> the Popovitz family is not exempt from this practice. Here is the photo that will be on the front of our card this year. That's our family photo for our Christmas card. They look adorable. Now, those of you who know us know that we have a five-year-old. Getting a five-year-old to smile and look cute in a family card is difficult. When we first asked him to smile for the card, this is what he did. <laughs> he takes after his mother. <laughs> what about you? Do, do, do you send out Christmas cards? Is this something that you do? Uh, certainly, you receive a handful of them throughout the season. Now, now, if you choose to look closely, if you choose to see it, you can see a, a glimmer, a glimpse of the first Christmas, of the reason for the season buried in this somewhat strange habit of sending cards to family and friends. Those of you who know the story well, think back to how the Christmas story begins. It begins with a series of divine announcements, of angelic declarations that a new season, a new era has come upon us. An angel appears to Mary and greets her. An angel appears to Joseph and greets him. An angel appears to Elizabeth, Mary, Mary's cousin, and greets her. And then in the biggest moment of them all, a whole series of angels appear to these scared shepherds and make an announcement to them, Christmas is here. And the shepherds are like, what's Christmas? We've never heard of that. And the angels are like, you're going to love it. It's amazing. A Savior is born. Glory to God in the highest. So if you choose to see it, you can see that, that your sending of a holiday greeting, your, your sharing of a Christmas card, is, is part of a long line and legacy that goes all the way back to the greeting of the angels at the very first Christmas, announcing that a new season is here, like the stack of multicolored envelopes shoved in your mailbox that you weren't expecting from people you haven't talked to in a long time, each one announcing the start of the Christmas season, so the angels appeared in that first Christmas, and they announced the start of the season of salvation. You could tie a line right from the sending of Christmas cards announcing the season back to the first Christmas. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, man, I feel so guilty for not sending Christmas cards. It's okay. I'm, I'm not here to, to create any guilt. I know how it is in some of your houses. You intend to send a Christmas card, it becomes a January newsletter. I know how it is. Um, if it weren't for websites like tinyprints.com, we wouldn't send anything in the Popovitz house. 
My point is not to, to make anybody guilty for, for sending or not sending a Christmas card. My point is this. Every time you hear a Christmas greeting or you see one of those cards show up in the mail, I want you to be reminded of the origins of this whole thing, of the reason for the season. That's what it is. Be reminded that this whole thing started with an announcement of the birth of Christ. Now, for those of us who, who grew up celebrating the birth of Jesus... This announcing of the arrival of Jesus, of the angel to the shepherds and to Mary and to Joseph and to Elizabeth, is something we can, we can really overlook quite easily and we can take for granted. Because we've heard it so many times in church, in Christmas pageants, in books we were read as kids, watching the Charlie Brown Christmas special. We, we've, we've heard it a thousand times. We can take it for granted. But when we take it for granted, we lose out. Because this announcement of the angels, to the shepherds in particular... The characteristics of this announcement, they, they tell us much about the import and the impact and the meaning of this announcement for you and for me. And with the, the short time I've got remaining, I, I want to focus on that. I want to talk about this announcement of the angels to the shepherds and what it tells us about the meaning of Christmas for you and for me. First thing we know about this announcement of the angels to the shepherds is that it was, to say the least, magnificent. It was magnificent. Look again at how Luke describes it. Again, it's easy for us to overlook this. Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 9. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear, and the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Move ahead to verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. Now I would imagine that seeing an angel alone is enough to make your, draw, your jaw and your stomach drop. But, but look closely at what happens to the shepherds. Not only do they see this angel, but it says the glory of the Lord shines around them. The scriptures tell us that, that God is so, so glorious and perfect and holy that he shines this light that is so bright that should you look directly into it unfiltered, that you might die. No wonder the shepherds were filled with fear thinking, oh, we're going to die. This glory of the Lord shines around them. But, but there's more. After the initial angel shows up and the glory of the Lord shines all around them and they're like hiding their eyes, more angels show up. Uh, in fact, it says a host of the heavenly angels arrived. Now, something you might not know from the scriptures is that angels are described as warriors. Angels are described as, as warriors. I know the tree topper on your grandma's Christmas tree tells you something different. It tells you that angels are sweet little girls that play harps, but that's not the case. Angels are warriors. And, and a heavenly host, an angelic host, host is a, a formal word for a battalion of an army. And so here's what happens to these shepherds. They're standing in the field, and the divine military rolls up on them. The divine military shows up, hundreds and hundreds of angelic soldiers, and they've got a band with them singing their version of Hail to the Chief. That is magnificent. Magnificent and terrifying. 
And it has to be that way. It has to be that way for two reasons. Because of what this is trying to convey. The first thing this is trying to convey is who this person is that's being born. It's telling us that God's own son, God in flesh, is being born. And he gets this kind of magnificent announcement in the sky because that's what God himself deserves. But it also is magnificent because it's trying to convey to the shepherds, but also to the rest of history who would retell this story, just how important this birth is for all of us. It's God's way of putting a a giant blinking red arrow on this moment in history, saying this is important. The, The announcement of the angels with an army of warriors in the sky is is kind of like the wrapping on a very special present. When you're really excited about the gift that you get for somebody, you, you not only worry about the gift itself, but you worry about how the present is presented. Because you want them, when they see it under the tree, to anticipate it. You want them to want to reach for it. You want them to set their expectations high as they go for that gift. And so you choose the nice, really thick wrapping paper. You choose the nice ribbon that you've actually got to tie You find someone who can tie a bow and you have them tie it. You wrap it so nicely so that when they're ripping the wrapping paper off, they feel kind of bad because it was so beautiful. That's what God is doing with the announcement of the angels. He wants you and me to set our expectations high, to understand the, the weight and the significance of what is happening here. And so that announcement is magnificent. It's not just anybody showing up. It's God. The second thing we see about this announcement of the angels in the sky is that it's very personal. It's personal. Again, let's just dive into the text. See for yourself how personal this is. Picking up at verse 10. The angel said to them, the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. There is one word that's repeated four times in these two verses. Did you catch it? The word is you. Now, now Jesus is born for everybody. It says it's good news for all the people. But but the angels choose to, to particularize this announcement to the shepherds. To say over and over and over and over again that this this child that's born is for you. It's for you. It's for you. You will find. You will find. They could have generalized it for the whole world, but they choose not to. Why do you think that is? If you've grown up with this story, perhaps you've heard that that being a shepherd in first century Palestine was not the, uh, the most noble of professions. It's true from what history tells us. Uh, most shepherds were, were, were early teenage uh, men and women. Both boys and girls were, were shepherds, usually in their early teenage years. Uh, this was their full-time profession. They, they typically were from a, a lower caste, a lower class in the society. They were often illiterate, would never be educated, would, would never learn to read. Few people did. They were, they were thought of as lazy because they slept during the day because they were up all night tending to sheep. And their work was dirty. They were chasing sheep and they were killing wolves. So they were thought of as dirty and unkempt. And so I would imagine that that if you are a shepherd, if this is what you do for a living, there are a lot of things, by virtue of how the world looks at you, that you count yourself out of. You say, well, I'm a shepherd. That doesn't apply to me. Like a really nice dinner at a fancy restaurant? Not me. I'm a shepherd. Hanging out in some important social circles? Not me. I'm a shepherd. 
getting an education, maybe connecting to a local rabbi and finding a respectable trade in first century Palestine. Not me. I'm already a shepherd. There's no hope for me. Welcoming the Savior of the world into our presence. Not me. I'm a shepherd. And it's as if the angels anticipate this because they go to great lengths to say, we know who you are. This is for you. Unto you. This applies to you. It's for the world, but it's also for you. Why are they doing that? Here's why. This is so important. Because if it's not for the shepherds, then it's not for anybody. I want you to think of the shepherds in this story as like the sign next to your favorite roller coaster at Six Flags. You know the sign that says you got to be this tall to ride? You know that sign? The, The shepherds, and no offense to any shepherds who happen to be in our midst this morning. The shepherds, they set the bar at the very bottom. Meaning if it's for them, It's for everybody. Because there was no one lower. You see, if, if Jesus' birth had been announced among kings, we would have thought it was just for kings. If Jesus' birth had been announced purely among the religious class, we would have thought it was for really religious people. If it was announced to a perfect picture, perfect family, we would have thought it was for nice families. Have you seen all of our families? <laughs> we would have counted ourselves out. And yet it's for the shepherds, and so it's for everyone. And maybe you, maybe that's what you needed to hear. Because I, I have no doubt that there was somebody who's here this morning who, who thinks that they are like the one exception to all this talk of grace and mercy that they hear in the church over and over again. Because, you know, your family is, is so messed up, or you've got some really questionable stuff in your past, or some really weird stuff that you're dealing with right now, uh, some, some shame, some guilt that you carry, some way in which the world wants to ostracize you or whatever, make you feel like an outsider. I, I understand that. And you think that, that all of this talk of mercy and grace and hope is for people, who, people whose lives are fine and your life is not fine. I get that. But, but if this story is for the shepherds, then it's also for you. Because here, here's the secret maybe you've never been told. This story is for the shepherds because the shepherds are the only kind of people that actually exist. All of the distinctions between those who have it together and those who don't, those who are in, those who are out, those are our distinctions. From God's perspective, we are all lost and dirty and needy. It's for the shepherds because the shepherds are the only kind of people that exist. And so this message that says it's for them, it means it's for you and it's for me and it's for all of us. It's personal. third thing is that this message is inspirational. Now, when I say that word inspirational, some of you think like, like cheesy and emotional. That's not what I mean. Some of you instantly think when I say it's inspirational, you think of those, those Hallmark Christmas movies that some of you are obsessed with watching. And you know, you figured it out already that all of them have the exact same plot, right? Some, some angry non-holiday person is forced to go back to his hometown for some reason And he rekindles his relationship with an old flame who just happens to own the local bakery. And she's all about the holiday. And then they fall in love and his heart changes because Christmas. (laughs) And all of them are starring DJ from Full House who's all grown up. 
She's been in 18 of those movies, not that I've watched any of them. And they're meant to inspire you into this belief that there is magic in the season of Christmas. That may be the case, but that's not what I'm talking about. This story of the angels to the shepherds is inspirational because when, when the shepherds encountered it, it stirred them, it inspired them to action. That's what I mean. It stirred them to do something about it. Again, look back at the text. Starting at verse 15, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. This thing that they were told was so jaw-dropping that they dropped everything to go and see for themselves. And not only did they go and see the baby Jesus, they kept on talking about what they had seen with the angels in the sky to Mary and to many others. The worst thing you could do as a shepherd was abandon the sheep. And yet Luke tells us they went with haste, immediately leaving their sheep to go find Jesus. Now, now, Astute readers of the whole scriptures will understand that though they abandoned their post as shepherds, they did not abandon their calling. Here's why. Their job is to protect the sheep. They abandoned the lambs of men to go attend to the one who would be called the Lamb of God. They abandoned their post guarding the sheep that were likely used in temple sacrifice at Passover to go and tend to the one who would be called the one true sacrifice for all mankind. It inspired movement in them to go and see, and then it inspired speaking in them to go and tell everyone what they have heard. And it is still, this story of the angels to the shepherds of Jesus' birth is still inspiring people to this day. It's what inspires, believe it or not, our celebration here, your party at your house, the wearing of silly sweaters, the decorating of trees, the buying of presents, elves on shelves. This story of Jesus inspires that whole thing. All of it. People are still telling this story because it inspires. Not just because this story is true, but because the truth of this story is overwhelming. Think about it. In every other religion, what, what ultimately gets separate, celebrated is some human being who has proven their holiness and purity by their, their acts of devotion or their, their intense wisdom or their holy living, and they have somehow ascended their way to the divine plane and separated themselves from all of us. That's the case with, with Muhammad, with the Buddha, with Confucius, with the Dalai Lama, in some cases even like the Pope. But, but here's what you have in the Christian faith. You don't have the celebration of a human being attaining to the divine, but what you have is the divine letting go of all of his majesty and all of his awesomeness, shedding all of that and joining us in weakness so that he might live with us, die for us, rise for us, and save us. That's fundamentally different. What you have is the one who, who holds the whole universe in his hands, being born and being held in the arms of a young teenage mother named Mary. What you have is the one who knit every atom into existence, being, being placed in the womb of a woman as a, as a multitude of cells that divide and divide and divide and divide until eventually he's born. What you have is the one who sits enthroned over all of creation, being born in a box on the side of a Bethlehem road. 
What you have is the one who, whose, whose birth is initially announced by armies of angels having word be spread by lowly, irreputable shepherds. The one who made us has become utterly weak and one of us in order to save us. That's what you have. And that story has been inspiring people to celebrate and to speak and to share for thousands of years and it's not stopping anytime soon. So my ask of you is this, that every time you see a card, that you receive one in the mail, or you hear a holiday greeting, you would be reminded of the origins of this story, which is the announcement of the birth of Jesus to the world. But also, if you're here as a follower of Jesus, you would lay hold of your opportunity, that you'd be reminded of the opportunity you have to join in the legacy of the angel armies in the, in the history of the shepherds and speak and share this announcement too. To mimic the movements of the angels and the shepherds and to make your celebration about something other than your celebration. You have the opportunity for your celebrating to speak. It already speaks about who you love. It already speaks about what matters to you. It can also speak about the hope that you have. Will your celebration of the season announce in any way, shape, or form the reason for the season to people around you? Will it? And there are really easy ways to do this. You can make sure that if you have children in your care that you use this Advent season to teach them this story. You join in the legacy of the angels and the shepherds. You can make sure that the friends around you have a place to worship on Christmas Eve or on Wednesday nights in Advent and you can join in the legacy of the angels and the shepherds. You can, you can send out a card or two and put a little note about the hope that is found in Jesus or quote a little Bible verse, as cheesy as that seems, and you can join in the legacy of the angels and the shepherds. What will your celebration speak of? I really am personally passionate about this. And so I wanted to give you something that you could put into action right now. So inside your worship folder, you probably found already this blank card. We didn't forget to put your name in it. This isn't for you. This is for you to send to somebody else. But my challenge for you is to think of of one person in your life who could use some encouragement, one person in your life who could use a little bit of hope, a little bit of joy, who would would have a smile creep across his or her face knowing that they were thought of by you. Who is that? And you take this card or some other card and you write their name in it, you write a little note to them, and in some small, seemingly insignificant way, point to the hope that you have in Jesus and and join in the legacy of of the angels and the shepherds and say, this is for you too. My hope, my prayer for you is this, this season. Right, right, whatever that is, write that out and then do the whole uh, thing, put it in the mail, send it to them, okay? It's that easy. It's that easy. I'll close with this. In 1906, 1906, the only information that had ever been transmitted on the radio were dots and dashes, Morse code. But all that changed on December 24th, 1906, when the first ever human voice was broadcast over the radio waves. It was broadcast from the state of Massachusetts. And it was a moment many years in the making by a guy named Reginald Fessenden, who developed what we now call AM radio. 
And he thought long and hard about what the first words ever spoken over the radio to anyone listening should ever be. What do you think he said? Testing, testing, one, two, three. Sibilance, sibilance. What do you think he said? Here's what he said. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you was born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The first words ever uttered over this brand new technology was very old, but very good news. This announcement of the angels has been inspiring an announcement by others for 2,000 years. May it do the same in you and me. Let's pray.